Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Then you're not going to hunger. Why? Because he will feed you, not with the manna, not with some little wafer cake somewhere. When you come to him and you partake of Jesus, when you eat of Jesus, so to speak, you will never hunger again. There is not any more hunger. You are satisfied. He who believes in me will, there it is, never thirst. So that means you don't have to keep on believing and believing and believing and believing in order to stay saved. Because you come to him, you believe in him, you will never thirst. Underline the word never, because in the Greek, it's in this double negative that means no, not ever. And in other places of scripture, it talks about no, not ever, male or female at any time, ever, thirst. You will know not ever, male or female at any time, be cast out. You will know not ever at any time, male or female, lose your salvation. So no matter what God says, you are locked. It is a sealed deal with God. I love that. And I am totally satisfied by him. Carol is leaving today. She's leaving me to go be with her mom and dad for a week. Everything's pretty much okay at home. I guess it is when you're 91 and and 86, what her mom is. And she's so good. She left all this food in the refrigerator for me. And you know why? Because about every four or five hours, I get what? Hungry. All right? But I can tell you, that when I go to the Lord, he's filled that need. Now, I know there's a praise song that says, I am desperate for him. It's not desperation for him because he hasn't met my needs. So when we sing that, I'm not desperate for him because I ran out of him and I got to go for more. I'm desperate for him because rhetorically, without him, I would starve to death. Without him, I would have incredible thirst. So I am desperate for him in the sense that I will always need him Because he is the center of my life. So he is the satisfaction of it. But there's also one more. He's not only the source. He's not only what you might call the the sustainer. But he's also the satisfier. And finally, and I love this. He's the security of our eternal life. And this is where I wanted to come today. Is to the security of our eternal life. Would you follow along with me now? Watch carefully. Verse 35 again says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. So it's he meaning whoever you are. Verse 35. But I said to you, you have seen me and yet you have not believed. Now that but is very important. He says all of this and he says, but you, you've seen me and yet you do not believe. Now folks, I don't want to shock you. I don't want to scare you. But I do want to shake you a little bit in all the love that I can. There are many people that have come and they have seen Jesus, but they have not believed in him. They have seen a historical Jesus. They have seen a caricature of Jesus in some of these editorial cartoons. They have heard of Jesus through late night comedians and television shows that mock Christ and think it's fun to talk about him. You go to movies and they kind of make light of the Jesus man. And so they have seen Jesus, but they haven't really seen the Jesus of the Bible. If you really saw the Jesus of the Bible, 
then you will be gripped with the decision that you have to truly make. If you saw the authentic Jesus, I don't mean the actual physical Jesus, but if you saw who that Jesus really is, you would realize that you're condemned in your sin. You would realize that no good deed you do yourself could ever appease and be holy like Jesus. You would see Jesus in the eyes of compassion. You would see Jesus who, who loves you this much to hang on a cross. You would see Jesus who wants you to be in his forever family by faith alone. And who would not want to truly, truly believe in him? And I don't know how long you have to keep seeing Jesus before you step over that line to believe, but I will tell you this. Nobody really knows when, you're gonna, when your heart's going to beat its last beat. And I pray that you'll trust him. I pray you'll do it right now. But let's go a little bit further here, verse 37, because now we're getting into the security part. It says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Would you underline the word will? All that the Father gives me will come to me. I'll make my point in a moment, but I want you to have the underline. Come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. So all that the Father gives to me, that means God had it first. Then he's given me all these people, not animals, not all this other stuff right now in the context. All of this, all that the Father has, he gives to me. And those he's given to me, though, they still have to come to me, but they will come to me. How will they come to them? By believing in him. And the ones who come to me, once they believe, will certainly not be cast out. Verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. So it's not like Jesus has his will, God has his will. They both have the same will. And why is that? Because they're the same. They're God. He's God. So it says, the will of him who sent me. So I didn't do my will. I'm going to do the will that sent me. And what is that will? What is God's will, God the Father's will, that is now my will, that we both have the same will because I am God? Verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me. That of all that he has given me, goes back to the other verse, I will now not only not cast them out, that means there's nothing that they will ever do that will get to a point for me to say, you were here, but now you're not here any longer. You're in my family. Now you're out of my family. He says, not only that, I will lose nothing. And I love this. Underline it. But I will raise it, or them, so to speak, in context, all of them, up at the last day. Now, verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone, and some people could say anyone, who beholds the Son, we just saw it, you can see the Son, but now you have to underline the word and, and believes in him. It's not enough to behold the son. It's not enough just to see the son. And believes in him will have, I hope you're following it, will have life until you sin again. Is that what it says? No, it says will have eternal life. And I love it. And I myself will raise him up at the last day. Now here's a question. Why is it that you can preach these kind of messages and there will still be people out there that will not believe in the security of a believer in Christ or a security of themselves being saved. I think it boils down to two, and I'm not going to try to reduce it to too, too small of a number, but I think these two might say it all. Number one, they look at the behavior of so-called Christians and they say, if that guy says he's a Christian and he lives like that, that must mean that he either had it and lost it or he really doesn't have it. So they begin to look at that person and determine salvation is based upon a person's lifestyle. In other words, they become a fruit inspector. And let me warn you, 
First of all, don't look at someone else to determine how they live to tell you if they're a Christian or not. That's God's job. Now, you might suspect, you might want to make sure that they do understand the gospel, etc., but we cannot judge whether they're saved or not. And that's why when I talk to you about your lifestyle, I do not couch it in. Well, if you do this, you might not really be saved. You better check out your salvation because where do you end with that? I mean, that's not only a circular argument. You don't know where to end. You don't know where to begin. Is it if I smoke? Okay, how much do I smoke? Is it what I smoke? Is it where I smoke? Did I do with the money that I smoke? Did I smoke in front of my kids or not? Where do you draw the line with that? You cannot draw that line. What you can draw the line is the second reason. First reason is we look at people and we try to decide they're saved and we look at works to determine that. God says you don't look at works. The second is this. Because they do not understand the true doctrine of eternal security of the believer. And the reason they don't understand it often is because they go to places where they hear a lot of fluffy messages on how to live a great life on this earth, but they were never taught that once you've trusted Christ as Savior, Jesus lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit seals you, and he said here he will not cast you out, says he will not lose any of you, and it also says we're kept by the power. They don't hear that over and over again. They're hearing such as, well, you better be good. Yeah, you trust Christ by faith, but if you don't keep on doing certain things, God won't let you in. And what you've done is you have just backloaded the gospel You've removed it from being a grace alone message to a grace and works message, and you've got to be so careful of that. So with that, I would like to give you four truths. Three of them are in this passage alone, and the fourth one will be somewhere else in another book, Peter. But you want to write these down because when someone comes to you and they begin to doubt their salvation, they begin to question whether or not they're eternally secure, show them these verses. Here's number one. The first one is very simple. It's found in John chapter 10, verse 27. Would you look at it, and I'll read it to you. By God's sovereign gift, I am secure in Christ. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them. Circle the word give. I give them eternal life. It doesn't say they earned eternal life so now they have it. They were good enough. No, he said, I give, gave it to them and a gift is something you don't work for, a gift is something you don't deserve, a gift is something that costs the giver a great deal. In this case, it will cost him his life and he's given it to you out of a heart of love. He's given it to us who do not deserve it and what is he given? Eternal life, but to them who hear his voice, believe in him and essentially in this context, follow him as well. Kind of all wrapped up together. Then it says, and they will never perish. Would you circle that phrase? Never perish. There's that double negative. No, not ever. Ever perish. And no one, underline that, will snatch them out of my hand. And you could put in there, nothing will snatch them out. No one, Satan or anyone, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me. Woo! That's huge. God already had them. He now gives them to me. And he's greater than all that's out there. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And that's, you might want to draw a line from that. Out of my Father's hand to my hand. So in other words, you can't be taken out of Jesus' hand or God the Father's hand because God the Father and Jesus are the same. Again, the deity of Christ. And he says, I and the Father are one. Again, he's nailing it down. Now, think about that for just a moment. I am kept in the hand of an all and only powerful God. And once I trust in him, I have eternal life. God knows who's going to be saved. The message is now presented. Those that now come to Christ is a gift to Christ for what he's done for us on the cross. All that come to Christ, just like God held them as he's given them to Christ, they now take, Jesus now takes that person by their faith, holds them in his hand, and will raise that person up, that's you and me, he'll raise us up at that time, 
so that we could forever be with him. Now, when we die, we're already with him. We get a new body. Then we were raised up together with him. We are kept by the power of God, by the power of the Son, because the Son and the Father are one. We're kept by that power. Now, that is huge stuff, folks. Look at the next verse. We're going to t- take a break just from John and look at 1 Peter chapter 3. We're also kept by God's sovereign power. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us. It means we're born again into his family, a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise, I won't rise. He rose, I will. To an inheritance incomparable, incorruptible, and undefiled that does not fade away. Here it is. This inheritance is reserved where? In heaven for who? You. Who is the you? You who are kept by the power of God through faith, not through works, not through faith and works, but through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That means revealed in the sense that it'll all happen at that last time, at that last day, we'll all be risen together. Now look up here for just a moment. This is cool. I'm in Jesus' hand. I've already been in God the Father's hand. I am now presented to him by faith alone in him. I have eternal life. Now that power is keeping me. That's now telling me I have a home reserved for me in heaven. Nothing can take me out of that. I got into that by faith, and that's my eternal security. So I'm in God's hand, God the Son's hand. I'm kept by his power, but let's go a little bit further. Back to John verse 637. By God's sovereign choice. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. God chose. I'm in his family forever. And the one who comes to me, I will not be cast out. Number four. By God's sovereign will, I will not be lost. This is the will of him who sent me. I tell you, I want you to know that nothing you do will separate you from the love of God. Nothing will keep you out of his forever family. And you must remember, it is by faith alone. Now, folks, I know there is this tension out there between if God knew, did God select, did God make me, whatever happened. I I am still wrestling with this. And for a long time, I felt like, man, I, I, I must be a very ignorant Christian pastor because I cannot explain God's sovereignty and all of his sovereignty and predestination and election as well as the free will of man, whosoever will may come. I wrestle with this. I chose to teach a former church, the book of Romans, just so I would get to Romans 9, 10, and 11 that deals with that whole issue of election. I've read every, every book that I could on that issue that was current. I read past Puritans. I read the Reformers. I've read the current writers, the great theologians of today, both sides of this issue, and they still struggle at the very end. And I heard probably the most honest person who is a strong Calvinist, but at the same time still struggles with the free will, and he basically came to my same conclusion, and it may help you, it may not, and that's this. That there is a bit of this tension that we will never fully understand. All that the Father has, he now gives to me. It is his will, I am in him, etc. That there is this somehow God's selection issue. And there is the fact that it, we have to... Tr- there is a human responsibility that we must make that choice to come to him. It says, he who hears and believes, that's an active faith. I taught you that a couple weeks ago. We have to activate that faith. It is a choice. I cannot fully explain that. Some illustrate it by free will is one rail, election is the other rail, and we don't understand it in this life, but those two rails on the track will connect somewhere in eternity. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Now you may ask me, okay, Pastor, you you kind of vacillate from one rail to the other, but you kind of sense that there might be two rails there. Does that make you feel uncomfortable? Many, 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 many years it has. But maybe... Maybe what I'm about to tell you will give you the same comfort that it has comforted me. 
If I fully can comprehend and explain the many passages, whom I love, I love, whom I hate, I hate, and all of that, if I could go through all of that and fully understand that and the complete whosoever will, willing that none should perish and all of that, if I could do that, then I probably now am involved in Christianity that is a religion that is designed by man because it can be fully explained by man. Did you catch that? And so I am now greater in my security to say there are things about God and how he does things that I do not understand, but it does not rock my world. It does not rock my faith. It does not rock my eternity because I have a God that will later on reveal that which is secret with him will be revealed to me that it's secret right now in the future. Who wrote the book of John, by the way? Who wrote the gospel of John? Who, who did? John, 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 John. Well, no, the Bible says that the Lord wrote it, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Who lives your Christian life? Well, I do. I mean, I live it. I read my Bible. I pray to him. I live my Christian. No, no, it's him who lives in me, the hope of glory. You know, it's not my life, it's him. You see the tension that's there? Now, some of you will have a tremendous amount of problem with that. And some of you might be able to say, yeah, but what about this? And you could argue that point, and I will be there with you, and I'll die on that hill with you. What about this point? I'll die on that hill with you too, you know? I think what you do with those truths sometimes can create more damage than trying to force those two truths together because you die in those hills and you separate all these Christians over some issues that theologians have battled for years. So if you will, look here. It involves the balance of God's sovereignty. He says, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men. I have no problem with that. All men will come to him. In a sense, I will draw all men to myself. Then he says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. There's that tension. He draws all people, but says no one will come unless the father sent draws him. And I love the last one. For this is the will of my father, that everyone. And so folks, if you're wondering which rail you're on, or if you're wondering, am I in, am I going to be part of, God's all that he gives to the son so I could believe. I'm going to tell you right now, every one of you who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life. So you heard the message. Is Jesus God, yes or no, everyone? Yes, Jesus is God. He says, if you look at me, you come to me and you believe in me, you will have eternal life, not life until you sin again, not where you'll be cast out, not where I'll lose you. I will keep you by my power if you believe in me forever, and it's available to any one of you, if you'll trust him as your Savior. Well, my friend, um, remember the message is, will you trust him as your Savior? And on the authority of his word, what he says, his promises, you are powerfully kept saved. You're the whosoever will that came, and you're part of his elect. And if you already know that, Will you take that same message where Jesus is the source, he's the sustainer, he's the satisfaction, and he is the eternal security for everyone who believes in him. Take it now to your family. Take it to your neighbors. Take it to the streets. Take it to the world, brother. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever you are, whosoever, If you will believe in him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. 
Will you make sure that you are heaven bound? Once you trust Christ, you are secure in him. You will never be cast out. You'll never be lost. And you're kept by his power, not by yours. He's the source. He's the sustainer. He's the satisfier. And he's your security. But you must come to him now. That's your choice. Will you come? Here's what you might say to him, although it's not so much a prayer as it is this transaction where you're actually saying, Lord, I believe that you are God. I believe, Lord, that you died on a cross and you rose again. I believe that my sins have been forgiven on the cross. I believe that no good deed I do myself will get me there. I believe it's by faith in you and not faith and my works. And so I come to you as a person who truly needs you and I'm going to take you now. I'm going to receive you and I'm going to drink of you like your water eternal water and I'll never thirst again why? because I'll never have to thirst again I'm securing you now my friend if you're trusting Christ as your savior I'd like to pray for you now I'm not going to have you stand up or walk an aisle because that won't save you I'm not going to have you fill out a card to make sure that that makes you saved that, filling out cards doesn't save anybody me praying for you won't save you raising your hand doesn't save you but in your heart if you called upon the Lord to be your savior and you're now trusting in him alone on the authority of his word, he says, if you believe in him, you will have everlasting life from a God who cannot lie. Then I want to pray for you because you are now in God's forever family, never to be cast out, never to be lost and kept by his power. And I want to welcome you into that eternal family. And so is there anyone in here today that today was the day you trusted Christ and you want me to know that so I can just celebrate with you knowing that you are in his family forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You may lose your job. You may lose your health. You may lose a relationship. You may lose something of value. But you'll never lose that which could never be taken away. An intimate, eternal relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, the moment of privacy for our folks, if today is the day that you are now trusting Christ, you heard him, you came to him, you saw him, now you're believing in him, and you want me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all? Put up your hand. Put it down. Anyone at all? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Today is the day. For you that are Christians, will you allow the source, the sustainer, the satisfier, and the security of Christ to be your biblical motivator so that you now would share it with someone else. If you don't know how to open a conversation or what to say and how to bring it to a close, don't worry. We've got, we've got a class here that'll help you. We've got pastors here that love the Lord and love people like you and would love to sit down and help you, to help you do that because that bread of life that we're going to continue talking about next week needs to be given to everybody will help you I might ask one question maybe you've already were saved but today was the day that you really got it nailed down and you received the assurance of your salvation you kind of know that you know that you know that you know that you know that know, know that you're saved and today's the day and you'd like to kind of let me know that it's okay don't be worried don't, don't think oh he'll think less of me because oh yeah I should have known this and he probably no I just want you to know I've been there too I trusted Christ for two weeks, again and again and again, until someone told me the one time did it. And once I knew that, whoo, I felt so good. I was already secure the first time, but I got my assurance a couple weeks later when I finally understood how all this fit together. 
It shocked Carol because she's the one who told me the first time. Is there anyone here that'd like to say, Pastor, today's the day that I, it all came together. I have my assurance now. I thank the Lord that I came today to hear this. His word really helped it. Would you like to slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? Put your hand up. Today was the day. Father in heaven, we just love you. We love Jesus. I thank you, Father, for your patience with all these people that chased you all over the place looking for earthly help. Wanted to see you do all these miracles. And Father, the greatest miracle you wanted to do was an inside job. Help us, Father, as we're grateful for the way you provide for us with jobs and health and all these things in this world. We want to celebrate that you did an inside job on us when we trusted you. Now, Father, as we look at this world, they're all chasing after all this stuff in this world and some of them are almost worshiping it. Help us now to present the bread of life, the water of life, that once they eat and drink of you, they'll never thirst again. We pray for our loved ones, pray for our fellow workers, pray for our classmates, pray for our neighbors. Help us now, Lord. Live your life out in us. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.